Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. This sermon helps us to think about our stewardship responsibility under the topic, All for Jesus. The Bible passage is from Matthew 6 and the preacher is Chris Johnson. Our readings today are from 2 Corinthians 8 and Matthew 6. Firstly, a reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 to 9, which can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1161. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 9. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial... Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had made earlier a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in completeness, and in the love we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich." And now a reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. That can be found on your Pew Bibles on page 971. Matthew 6, 19 to 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What causes you to worry? For some people, uh, it is money, not having enough, especially in this current economic circumstance. Maybe uh, you worry about your health. Do you worry about the next visit to the doctor or what the test result might bring? For others, it's their children and grandchildren. Maybe they're not leading a healthy lifestyle, making foolish decisions, and you worry about their future. Do you worry about your safety? There are so many reports of youth crime uh, in our community. Maybe it's you don't feel exactly safe. Or maybe you worry about politics, about the economy, about progressive social policies. Or maybe it's about the really important stuff, like not having as much as the neighbours, or worrying about how you look. There's no shortage of things to worry about, is there? In the Gospel reading this morning from Matthew 6, Jesus uses the word worry six times. And on each, each occasion, it's not an exhortation to worry. Rather, he's saying, don't worry, don't worry. Some people are worry warts. They worry about their worries. But Jesus is saying, don't worry, be happy. He doesn't exactly say be happy. He talks about being blessed. Maybe in the context of Matthew 6, it's about being contented, being contented. What is the secret of being the contentment of Matthew chapter 6? Well, it's knowing that you have a loving heavenly father who is looking out for you. Do you have confidence about that? Do you have a loving heavenly father who's looking out for you? Jesus uses a number of examples from nature to illustrate this. The birds of the air, there in verse 26. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Secondly, he points to the flowers of the field, verse 28. And he asks people to note how they grow. They do not labour or spin. He says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of those. So if God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today in the fire tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you of little faith? 
So Jesus' message is a simple one. Your father knows what you need, your clothing, food, housing, every need. So trust God to provide. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well, is what Jesus says. Seeking first the kingdom has to be worked out in every aspect of our lives, but the aspect Jesus focuses on in this passage is money. Jesus says in verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He also says in verse 24, You cannot serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so the Bible has a lot to say about money, and I think it's because it has the most potential to become an idol. Let's face it, if you've got money and it's providing for all your needs, your food, your clothing, your housing, and maybe in a luxurious way, then why do you need God? Why do you need a father in heaven to provide? You've worked hard for it. You've provided. Look at it. It's all there. It's your work. And so it's very easy to forget God. Generally speaking, I think we can say that the more materialistic society becomes, the less it believes in God. And so we, as 21st century Christians here in Australia, need to be on our guard because this materialistic society is the one that is the ocean in which we swim. Uh, There are some dangerous currents in this ocean and therefore we need to consciously know how to confront them and to swim strongly against those currents. And this will involve discipline. And I know discipline is a dirty word in our society, but it actually has the same root as the word disciple. Being disciplined with our money is simply about being a good disciple of Jesus. Now, over the years, I've heard a number of people give testimonies of what it means for them to be a disciple of Jesus in this area. One testimony I've heard is that people, when they uh, buy a luxury item, they make sure they give the same amount uh, elsewhere. I have to say, Linda and I haven't chosen that method, but when we do buy a luxury item, we do tithe uh, whatever the amount is uh, as an extra offering. And it's simply a way of saying, thank you, God, that that was possible. You may want to give an equal amount or more, but think about what is the Thanksgiving offering you can make? What is God calling you to do there? Another way people give is through a bequest. This is about having an ongoing impact for the gospel even after you leave this earth. Our church currently is benefiting from a very generous parishioner who left a bequest, and that's allowing us to appoint a community chaplain next year. So look out for that. Parish Council's working on it at the moment. The fact that we can employ a youth worker is not directly from a bequest, but because a parishioner who received a bequest decided to tie the significant amount of that bequest to the church, specifically for a youth worker, it means we can move forward with that. And it's about to happen. So in writing your own will... Or in receiving a bequest, how is God calling you to be generous as a disciple of Jesus? I was listening to a blog recently where someone was sharing uh, that they adopted the principle of tithing, whatever their age was. So when they were 30, they tithed 30%, you know, got to 40, 40%, 50, 50%. (laughs) 
they said that it was actually easier to tithe 50% because they had a lot more money at that stage of their lives, which I'd believe. Many Christians simply use the standard biblical tithe, which is 10%. It's a good principle to establish when you're young because then as your income increases, uh, the amount of your giving will just automatically increase because of that percentage. The question often asked, though, is should Christians tithe? The 10% tithe is in the Torah, the Old Testament law. Jesus mentions it once in the New Testament in Matthew 23, 23. He exhorts people there to tithe like the Pharisees teach, but not with the pettiness of tithing mint and dill and cumin. In other words, those things you cook with. Jesus says simply tithe, but do not forget about justice, mercy and faithfulness. But overall, there's no consistent teaching in the New Testament to follow that Old Testament principle of tithing. What the New Testament does teach is generosity. And we find that in our uh, epistle reading this morning where Paul uh, commends the Macedonian church example to the Corinthian church. He says these Macedonians, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty whirled up in a rich generosity. And that's the pattern throughout the whole of the New Testament. We're called to be generous. Why does the New Testament tell us to be generous? Well, simply because God has been generous to you. A little later in that epistle, Paul goes on to say, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, he says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. We are rich in the gospel, all that Christ has done for us in coming to this earth, what we'll celebrate in a few weeks' time at Christmas. Uh, Rich because of his perfect human life that we can never live. Rich because of his marvellous teaching that inspires us and guides us and encourages us on our way. But most importantly, rich because of his sacrifice on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, then rising on the third day victorious. God has been so generous to us in giving us Christ. Therefore, we are called to be generous in return. What does generosity look like? Well, one of the things I've discovered over the years is that it's very hard to know if one is truly being generous. Uh, Whenever I've decided to give, I always think, well, I could always give more. Maybe just a cent or or a dollar or ten dollars, but there's always the possibility I could have given more. So sometimes I wonder if God is smiling on my giving or saying, Chris, that's a bit stingy. Do you ever wonder that? But you know what? I'm glad that in the gospel, my relationship with God does not work like that. The gospel undermines, in fact, all of that sort of thinking. My response to God, you see, will always be inadequate. Always be inadequate. I am accepted simply because of God's grace and nothing else. But because of God's grace, I feel the urge to, be, to give even greater and greater levels of giving. God wants me to revel in his grace until it changes my behaviour. And I find myself wanting to give, not just money, but of my time and in ministry and in serving others. 
That should be the effect of the gospel. One of the ways God has challenged me and Linda to do this is every year to pray about what percentage we might give uh, as our tithe. And if the past year has been a good year, uh, to increase it by a half a percent or maybe a percent on what we did the previous year. And over the years, God has been good to us and we're in a position we can give 23% at the moment. And I start to think, well, is God smiling on that decision? Or is he saying, Chris, that's a bit stingy? I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is that it's important I keep reflecting on his grace and looking how I might be challenged to give more in the future. I have to keep reading passages like Matthew 6 and believe I have a heavenly father who cares for me as providing everything I need and therefore I can sit loosely with my money and give more and more of it away. I want to uh, direct you to this little brochure we gave out this morning. Um, It's called All for Jesus. And inside, if you've got that there, if you could have a look, there's a little uh, chart. Please take time to read the brochure and pray through it as you consider what your giving will be in 2024. Don't let the new year happen without a specific commitment about your giving. And so this table can be a guide. Um, It helps you to see whatever percentage you might be giving at the moment and then to think about moving to the right, thinking about what an increase in the percentage for you might be and what that means in practical terms. So have a look at that. Remember that the Old Testament idea of 10% is simply a guide. It's not binding. If you're on a very limited income, then a small percentage might be your widow's might. You know what? Jesus commended the widow's might. It's what we pray before God uh, in whatever circumstance we are in. New Testament Christians are simply called to be generous. And this is about uh, thanking God for all he's given me and looking at how I might more and more uh, return to his work, his ministry, his glory. I want to let you know that currently our offertory income as a church is 8.2% behind our budget target. So we have some work to do over this last six weeks of the year if we're going to meet that target. If you're able to do some heavy lifting in this financial area, your support would certainly be greatly appreciated. But don't give all your giving to the church. Uh, I strongly encourage you to put aside some for a mission. And I'm encouraged all the time in this church the way people do and how through the mission uh, box at the back each week, uh, significant amounts are given for God's wider work. The moment I think it's running at about 11 or 12% of what comes in uh, for our general offertory, Uh, about 11 or 12% of that would be uh, the figure for the amount that comes in for mission. And that is so encouraging to see. So please keep supporting those mission agencies. And also remember the poor in your giving. The Bible regularly speaks about God's heart for the poor and those that those who have plenty should share generously with those who have less. Uh, through your church and mission giving, some will uh, be uh, with our work with the poor. But I encourage you to think about spontaneous giving uh, whenever you see a need uh, and you could meet it. So Matthew 6, it's very simple, isn't it? Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. Remember that your heavenly Father holds all things in his hands. He holds your life in his hands. Reflect on his goodness to you in Christ and seek to increase and abound in generosity. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.